This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you'd like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, what's up, everybody? That was pretty good. It's not too bad. Not too good. I'm still adjusting to the uh, to our new podium. You guys know that, that they hand-built this thing? Like, people in our church, very talented, ridiculously talented people. Um, the only problem is it hides, as, as the youth say, hides my fit, right? Can't see my shoes. So sometimes that's a good thing. Uh, so hey, we're continuing a series this week called Dark Reflection. So if you're if you've missed any of it, I'll kind of catch you up to speed. Uh, so what we've been looking at is is how essentially technology can kind of be a mirror, right? So we use our screens so so often. How many of you use your screens? Let's just be honest, entirely too much. Guilty as charged, right? I use mine way more. I, I, I almost on a weekly basis. I'm embarrassed, right? When I get an alert, and it just happens to come on Sunday morning. It's just like on Sunday morning. Hey, idiot, you use your phone way too much. And I'm like. Okay, I'll do better this week. And then the next week, hey, idiot, you use your phone way too much. Okay, do better next week, right? Anybody else have this, like, this cycle that goes on and on and on? So that's kind of where I live. And so at any rate, I believe that our screens, technology, kind of have a way of reflecting what's going on in our hearts. Screens and technology are not the problem. Our hearts are the real culprits. Those are the, that's the rascal that we've got to watch out for. That's what we have to be aware of. And so this is what it says about our hearts in, in scripture. We've talked about this each of the last two weeks, and we'll talk about it again this week, and we'll talk about it again next week, right? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So for those of you who, who buy into this, um, this, this modern belief of follow your heart, I just need you to reconcile that follow your heart nonsense with the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Um, don't trust your heart. Like, don't. Okay. Anyway, we'll do a whole series on that. Now, maybe we won't. I'll get too frustrated. Way too frustrated. But that's, that's not where it is. So obviously, I don't think our hearts can be trusted. I think our hearts and, and, and kind of the, the, the imagery that's used here is like the center of who you are, right? The seat of your person. And so what we, have, what we have to remember is that we are prone to wonder. We are sinners saved by grace. It is God's grace that constantly redirects and pulls us back in. And so when you kind of couple that with Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, it says this, I, the Lord, search the heart. Test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So the idea here is that, that we can't trust our own hearts, but we can trust that God will put in our hearts the things that need to be in our hearts and lead us ultimately to him and to his will. And so God wants us to understand kind of, again, the condition of our hearts so that we can, we can mitigate some of the destructive behaviors of our hearts. Like if you know that your heart is inclined to do dumb things, you're more likely to put in guardrails that keep your heart from doing the dumb things that your heart is inclined to do. Yeah. Or you should, right? You should. That's the, that's the process or that's the direction that we should be heading. So kind of, again, the imagery here of using technology is a reflection. It's a mirror. And it gives us an indication of what is going on in our hearts. The first week we talked about how sometimes it's reflected back to us. And it's through that kind of becomes obvious that our hearts are unhealthy when our hearts prefer entertainment over impact. Yeah. And, and, again, this is... 
This is the easier path, right? Entertainment is easy, man. When you get to just like, I get to chill on my couch, I'm laid back in a recliner or whatever, and I'm just being entertained versus impact takes effort. It takes this, you know, coordination. It takes, it takes changing priorities. And so it's a lot more difficult to, to choose impact. And so often as a result of that, we choose entertainment. Again, guilty as charged, right? Like I do this from times to times. Last week we talked about how technology reveals that our hearts crave validation. Not, not just like validation, not just want validation, but they, they desperately crave validation. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because I believe that God created us like that. And so it's just a matter of, of where we satisfy that craving. Do we satisfy it in kind of the, the, the kind of the classic religious terms in the things of this world, or do we class or do we satisfy that that craving in our relationship with Jesus? Because that's the only, now here's the difference. You, you can scratch an itch, but it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. And I think that's so often what we do. We're like, well, we'll just, I, I have a, a desire for validation. So I'll try all of these different things. And then what you find out is none of those things validate. They may make you feel validated for a moment, but they don't ever fully and finally satisfy. Jesus is the only one that does that. So this week, we're going to talk about another thing that technology reveals. And again, it's one of those things that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a matter of what you do with it. So this is the, the revelation for this week. Technology reveals that our hearts long for connection. So this is like Match.com up in here, right? Just kidding. It's funny. We, we were driving through Dallas yesterday, and like Match.com has a, it's, I guess they've got a big office building there on 75. And so literally, the next street past Match.com is Lover's Lane. I was like, that's... That's coincidental, right? So technology reveals that our hearts long for connection. So the title of today's message is Connection Reflection. Connection Reflection. I just, I love, I love things that rhyme. It just makes my life so much easier, kind of cleaner, more memorable, right? I, I don't think that's a very disputed point. I don't think it's, I don't think this is any kind of new shocking revelation that, that we as, as humans and individuals, we desire connection. So we won't spend too much time kind of making this case. It's pretty obvious that we have a deep need for connection. And here's the, the, the issue, not really the issue, but kind of where technology comes in. Technology makes this, this desire that we have, this longing for connection that we have, makes it so much easier to achieve and attain. Like we can have connection instantly, right? You can pull up your phone, you can text somebody, you can call somebody. Uh, for, for some reason, people like to FaceTime. I, listen, if that's you, that's you, do not FaceTime me. I ain't got time. I ain't got time for it, right? I'm like, oh, let, please, let me just stop everything that I'm doing so that I can look at my phone while you talk to me about something that don't even need to be talked about. But that's just how I feel, right? That's just how I feel. So, but technology it makes this connection thing so so easy and it's it's instant almost, right? Let me give you some just really quick basic numbers. And and this one is specifically social media, but you kind of get the idea. That, did you know that there are 4.8 billion people who use social media in the world? 4.8 billion. There's there's only, my understanding, just slightly above 8 billion people in the world. And, and more than almost 60% of them are on some sort of social media. If you're old, like me, you're on Facebook. If you're younger, you're on the Snap, the crap chat, is what I call it. Snapchat, whatever. And if you're real old, you're on the Snap face. It's, you just kind of make things up as you go, right? And so 59.9% so of the global population is on social media. 4.8 billion people. 92.7% of, 92 of all 
people who are on the internet use these, these social media platforms. And here's what's interesting, I guess kind of obviously there, that is a massive number of people, uh, but the, the trend is that it's continuing to increase. There were 150 million new social medias year over year. So from 2022 to 2023, we added 150 million, which is roughly half of the population of the United States, just kind of for perspective, right? So the idea here is a lot of people are getting on, right? And the reason why is because we like connection. We desire connection. We long for connection. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that God made us for connection. I think God, God hardwired us desiring relationships and, and these meaningful interactions with each other. In fact, did you know that there are 59 passages in the New Testament that use the phrase one another? one another 59 times like the new testament is not that long and 59 times it says something to the effect of do this for one another don't do this to one another take care of one another encourage one another right all of these things that we're supposed to do together the implication seems to be that there is connection that is expected right first thessalonians just one example of this first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11 it says this therefore encourage one another, right? And build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I guess that would be assuming that that's what you're doing. If all you're doing is running around tearing people down, stop, right? Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And so the, the, the point here is very simple, right? We, we desire connection. We have this, I believe, hardwired, created standpoint in which God made us desiring and longing for these connections. So the issue is not that we long for connections. The issue is when we fail to understand what, what connection truly is and how to achieve it. So our first point for the day is called weak connection. Weak connection. So that's, that's the, the, first, the first problem with technology is that technology oftentimes offers us a partial connection in place of a full connection. But what we do is we tend to believe we fall victim to the idea that, that, that partial is acceptable in terms of or in place of a full connection. So technology offers an immediate connection to a significant number of people, right? It opens up the whole world to you. And so we, what we do, and now we're smarter than this, but we still do this. Have you ever done something like that? Where you're like, I know better, but I still did it, right? That, that's basically Tuesday for me. It's like every, every week at some point, like I know better, but I did it. So, so technology opens up the world to us. It gives us this, this immediate, instant access to so many different connections. And what we do is we fall victim to the idea that, that quantity will be okay in place of quality. It's like, I'm good. I've got so many different people that I know and so many different people that I'm connected to. And, and the danger in that is just because you know a lot of people don't mean a lot of people know you, right? Like know you, like the depths of the relationship that we are actually called to. We, we seem to assume that a connection is a connection. And if I've got a bunch of them, then I'm good. And, and in reality is like there, there are levels of connection, right? We've got a lot of weak connections. I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, but there's not a lot of people that would stop what they're doing right now to come help me out if I was in a bind. There's not a lot of people that would drop what's going on in their life to, to sacrifice for me. And, you know, again, obviously that's supposed to be reciprocal. Don't be the person that's always asking people to drop things and help you, but you ain't dropping nothing to help nobody. Okay. I just felt like I had to get that off my chest. Not a personal thing at all, right? 
It's really not. It just bugs me when people do that. So, so we tend to assume that a connection is a connection, but there are levels, there are layers to connection. And I think we just, we accept weak connections so often. We, we fail to connect, connect the term in ways that we use it in other technological arenas. For example, how many of you love that Wi-Fi? I love Wi-Fi. Now, some of y'all don't know about this thing called America Online. And what you used to have to do is you used to plug a telephone cable into your computer, and it would do this god-awful thing where it goes for like 20 minutes. And then, like, you're just you're praying that it, it works. And then, so we, grew, we, we, we lived in the sticks. We lived out in the country. And we would get, it was like 19,200 KBPS, I don't know. But basically, you could send an email, and it would take you about 45 minutes to get that thing sent out. But we were so excited to be, what, connected. We love being connected. So we, now we've, we've advanced. We've got Wi-Fi, right? So you plug in, you know, to your router, and the router distributes the signal throughout your whole, your whole house. We all pretty well understand this, unless you're my mother-in-law. She calls it Wi-5. Wi-5. And I'm just, I'm here for it. I, love, I think we should rename Wi-Fi Wi-Fi. I just, I abs- in fact, I'm going home and I'm changing my network tonight to Wi-Fi from Death Star to Wi-Fi. That's where we're going. Not that you needed to know the name of my network, right? So, so we understand how Wi-Fi works. Now, here's what we, we understand about Wi-Fi that we fail to recognize about relationships and connections kind of in terms of our connections. The further you get away from the source, the weaker the signal gets. The, the further, I did this the other day, so I got a new, I got a new router, and I was, and listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but I am a nerd. I love, now some of y'all are nerdier, and that's cool too, uh, but I love technology. So there was an app that came with my router, and, and I could walk around and see, it would tell me how strong the signal was. So I'm like, how far can I go, right? I'm strong. I'm weak. I'm crab walking, right? Like a strong and weak, strong, and it was just so fun. It was so cool to see it kind of played out visually in real time. And I think the same principle applies to our relationships, right? The, the closer you are to the source, the source of that relationship, and, and look, maybe I'm old school, but I just think there ain't no replacement for the face-to-face thing. I think that, that locking eyes with somebody and seeing the emotion in their eyes and seeing their body language and all of the things that we get to experience when we are face-to-face, there is no substitute for that. All of this other stuff is great. It is awesome that we've got instant access to so many of these connections, but, but what we have to do is not use that as a substitutionary or replacement for the real thing. So we gotta stay close to the source. The issue that we run into with technology and our social connections is that, that we, again, we choose the, the route of deep versus, I'm sorry, wide versus deep, right? We, we have bought in hook, line, and sinker to the idea that it's okay to have a hundred or 200 or 300 or 5,000 wide connections and there aren't a lot of deep connections and that's an issue, that's a problem, right? So here's some, I'm gonna nerd, can we just do some, some geeky stuff real quick? I'm gonna read three statements that I pulled from other articles so that you understand that these aren't just my ideas that smart people actually agree. Y'all good with that? Not, not saying that I'm the smart person. These are what, this is what smart people say and I'm just like, yeah, they right. They write, real quick, this, it says this, studies have shown that people who spend a lot of time on social media are at least two times more likely to feel socially isolated. 
it just do, it doesn't make sense, right? It's like I'm spending, I'm exerting so much more effort and spending so much time to be connected, and yet in the end, what I find is that I am less connected. I feel more socially isolated. Social media usually displaces more authentic social experiences because the more time a person spends online, the less time there is for real-world interactions. That's the first one. Second one is this. While it has undoubtedly brought many benefits, and, and that's one thing that I want to highlight. I think there is a place for this stuff. I think it matters. I, I think for the most part, I'm somewhere, it's a mixed bag, right? But there are a lot of good things that come out of it. So it has many benefits, including greater social connectivity, I think width, not depth. It has also been associated with increased loneliness and feelings of isolation. Last one. In today's world, it's easier than ever to connect with others thanks to technology like social media, messaging apps, and video chat. Again, why you want a video chat, I just, it, it don't make sense to me. But you, you do you, boo. You do you. However, so we've got social media, messaging apps, video chat. However, despite these technological advancements, hang on, before we go any further, this is the one that gets me the most. Like, people will be FaceTiming. Like, they're FaceTiming, but they got their phone, like, down here. Yes. And they're FaceTiming. Like, it's called FaceTime, not leg time, not butt time, FaceTime, right? That is trippy, right? So, however, so we've got all of these things. However, despite more these, these technological advances, many people feel more disconnected and isolated than ever before. Yes. And so you get the idea, right? One of the problems that we're running into is we're, we're accepting wide and not pursuing deep. We're accepting something that was only ever intended to be substitution, right? And we're replacing the real thing. And so technology and social media can be a, a very good thing. It can help us keep up with people. You know this, right? This is the obvious stuff. Helps us keep up with people that have moved, help, helps us keep up with friends and family, maybe who live in different parts of the, the country or even the world. But it is not a replacement for the real connections that we're called to. And here's, this is just a very selfish aside. I think this, the same principle, you're starting to see this kind of in our corporate gatherings. There's this kind of recent development of what we call online church. I think this is just my opinion. I think online church is an oxymoron. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's a real thing, right, to have online church. Because to me, church is, biblically, it is a gathering of called out ones, ecclesia, right? And we gather together. And, and I don't think that the online thing, the online thing is good. And we've done it since before it was cool. Like we did this, this online thing a long, long time ago when we weren't any good at it and our cameras were trash and we still did it. Right. But, but I don't think that it was ever intended to be a substitute for the real in-person gathering. Just my opinion, let everybody get mad about that. And, and there's great, here's, there's tremendous benefit to it. It has now become that people can check you out because people want to try before they buy, right? And so what people like to do is they're like, I want to see what this crazy church is all about. So they'll go watch and they're like, oh, yes or no, or maybe so, right? So then maybe they'll, they'll consider. But it all starts with, that's essentially now the front door to your church. People will oftentimes look at that before they ever would consider attending in person. So it's good, got a lot of value, but it's not a substitute. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 is the classic verse that's associated with this. It says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some of them folk do. That's my, my translation. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another 
especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, right? So, so the idea is we just continue to meet together. We continue to, to gather together because we, one, desire connection. Two, the desire for connection can be f- fulfilled in this community called the body, the church, right? All of these expressions of what it was that God intended us to experience, right? And so here's, here's let me just kind of make this very practical. When we choose, when we choose deep, versus wide. It does a lot of things. It opens us up to a lot of possibilities that we would not experience otherwise. Like you can have wide and you can know a lot of people, but but when you have deep, it just helps you to deal with the things that are going on in your life more directly, right? For example, let's just say you needed prayer versus like when you throw out, hey, I need prayer on Facebook and do that. Like again, you can reach a lot more people. But, but when I say that I need prayer, what I need is somebody to pray for me, somebody that knows me, somebody that knows what's going on in my life. And, and not just, I don't want one of these weak, flippant prayers. I want the, the fervent, effectual, the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous person that avails much. I want somebody to know what's going on in my life so that they can petition heaven on my behalf, right? Not just somebody like, oh, Lord, bless Chris. Lord, bless him. He needs help. Bless him, right? Like it, and, and there's difference, right? And I think when we have depth, we get to experience that. When, when you have depth, you get to experience these things like, I don't know, accountability. It's like, hey, you know what? I am really struggling with this, and I need you to walk with me. I need you to help me get through this. I cannot seem to do it on my own. Now, you do that in a, in a wide way. I don't believe that it will be very effective. If you do it in a deep way, I think that it is tremendously effective. And so that's kind of the idea. Like with connections, like we're called to connections. Let's not accept weak connections in, in place of these real deep connections that we're called to. Yeah. Right? So that's the first point. Second point is also the last point. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't do that. That's rude. <laughs> last point is this. We're going to call it fully connected. So versus, you know, being weakly connected, let's talk about what it means to be fully connected. I think that one of the reasons that we, we get sucked into these weak connections is that they're just so much easier. It, it is so much easier just to kind of, you know, live your life online, for lack of a better term, right? And, and just kind of have these, these very wide connections where you don't have a lot of personal interaction. People don't actually know what's going on in your life. People don't know about your ups and your downs and your highs and your lows and your struggles and your wins, right? They just know what you want them to know. And so these, these one another's are a lot more difficult and they're a lot more risky. There is an element of vulnerability that has to be at play if you want to get into this idea of being fully connected. It's much more demanding of our schedules and our priorities to arrange it. Sometimes, y'all know, it's, it's hard sometimes to make time just to go eat lunch with somebody. It's hard sometimes to make time to go have dinner with somebody. It's hard, especially when you got kids. Like these, these dudes, you know what they are? They're, they are schedule robbers. They're marauders. They're, they're just thieves. They steal all of your free time. And so if you want to have these deep and meaningful connections, that means sometimes like you just have to reprioritize some things. You got to make space for other people. And that's hard. It's much easier to be like, sup? How you mama now? We good? Emoji, right? It's a lot, not only is it harder, but it's actually a lot more dangerous for people to actually get to know you. It's, there is, there is an, you want to be risky? You want to be adventurous? You want to be dangerous? Know somebody. 
Like get to know somebody and let somebody know you. What's so cool in terms of these wide connections is, again, we control the narrative. When all I'm doing is, is showing you the things that I want you to think about me and, and the things that I want you to see about me, what I'm telling you is that, man, I am legit. I am awesome. I ain't got no problems. My kids are good. I cook amazing food. My house is balling, MTV Cribs. But the reality is, my kids are crazy, I can't cook, and my house is a wreck. But I control the narrative, right, when I keep you at a distance. But when you start to get to know me, you're going to start to realize, that dude got some problems. And that dude, that, that dude, he gets upset sometimes about dumb things. And then way overreacts about the dumb thing that he got upset about that he probably should not have got upset about in the first place. That's what happens when you start to get to know somebody a little bit better. If you actually start to spend time with them and do life with them, you'll know them more fully. They'll know you more fully. And that is dangerous because this is what we've done. Like, and, and I'll try to keep this like very surface. I'll try to keep this shallow because we don't want to go deep. Like that's terrifying, right? But what happens is like when people start to, to get to know you and the you that they get to know doesn't match the you that they thought you were, a lot of times they'll just check out. So there's, there's danger in that, right? There's this risk and vulnerability. Like if you tell people that you're not perfect all of the time, a lot of times the expectation was you, for you to be amazing and awesome all the time and not have any problems that you then would only help them with their problems. They wouldn't have to help you with your problems. And a lot of people check out. So it's, it's frightening, right? It's terrifying. It, this, this statistically, it terrifies most people, especially church folk. Church people... Get terrified. Now, I will say, I think that we've gotten better about this, like kind of just being more honest about the struggles that we've got, that we're not perfect, that we don't have it all together. But church, it used to be like everybody walks in on Sunday morning, you look all put together, you wear your nice little outfit, your drip is right, and you don't have any problems, and you plaster a smile on your face, and your life's in shambles, it's a wreck, and you're just faking it till you make it. In fact, we made that expression acceptable, fake it until you make it. Like, and, and we were told to do this. Like, Shelly and I were on staff at a church, and that's what we were told to do. Fake it till you make it. You ain't got no problems. Like, I got all kinds of problems, and we can't talk about it. So fake it. To, and, and so what, what is so cool about the kind of the progression, I think, of church is that it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have problems. The, the point, the goal is not that you don't have any problems. It's just that we move on. We progress. We make progress in relation to those problems, right? So statistically, this, this knowing people, it terrifies us, right? And so we don't want people to know who we really are because we're afraid that if they do, they're not going to love us. And, and here's, let me, let me come in like just right with this one, right? If, if that's the belief that we have, we are completely disregarding the gospel. Because the gospel, this is kind of one of the, the better summations of the gospel that I've ever heard. It's a, it's a kind of a modern theologian by the name of Tim, Kel Tim Keller. He just passed away. And, and he said the gospel is this. The gospel is that God fully knows us and still fully loves us. God fully knows us and he still fully loves us. And you know what I think? I think most of the times we believe that that's true. That God fully knows me and God fully loves me. Here's where the disconnect happens. So, so you and I are called to be Christian, to be called to, called to be, what, Christ-like, to be like him. And so I think what we do is we, we fail to make the connection that this is supposed to be reflected in our relationships too. We believe that God fully knows us and God fully loves us, but I can't possibly believe that you'll fully know me and still fully 
love me. If we are called to be Christ-like, wouldn't it then be that we are expected to love each other like he loves us? In fact, what did Jesus say? He's like, they're going to know that you're my followers by the way that you love each other. And so there, there are two aspects to this, being fully known and being fully loved. The first, the first one of being fully known by each other is, is, let's talk about that for a second. You can't fully know somebody that you don't ever spend any time with. You cannot fully know somebody that you aren't close to, kind of going back to the router connection, right? If there isn't proximity, if there, there isn't nearness, if you're not in life with them, doing life with them, if you, sorry, I get, I get worked up sometimes. I know that you, it's, you have a hard time believing that. If, if all you ever do only benefits you, you're missing the entire point. If you have never had other people come over to your house and you've invited them into your lives, you're missing the point. If all you ever do is stiff arm people and keep people at a distance and, and you accept these wide connections versus these deep connections, you are missing the point. We are called to be close to each other. There's got to be proximity. There's got to be nearness for us to get to know each other. We can't fully know each other if we don't ever do anything together. Like how logical and, you know, Sensical is that versus nonsensical, which is what I usually go for. So that's, I thought that was funny. You guys didn't. That's cool. Fully known, not fully loved. I'm just kidding. So that's the first step. We have to have stronger connections and we have to know each other more fully. So the second thing, this is where it gets really hard. Like that's, that's hard because it takes effort, takes energy, takes time, takes some vulnerability. But the second one is even more difficult than the first to, to fully know somebody and then to continue or to choose to fully love them, that's really hard. And, and so the principle that I believe has to be at play here is that we have to continually give other people the same level of grace that we expect people to give to us. Y'all do this? I'm, man, I'm, I may be the world's worst about, well, like I understand what I, what I did and why I did what I did, and I need you to forgive me for that. But you... You did that dumb thing that you did, and I can't understand for the life of me why you did that dumb thing that you did, and it's going to be a long time until I get over it. And nobody else do that? Some of y'all like, me too, right? So it's this principle of giving other people the same grace that you expect from them to them. That, that's how we, the idea of being fully known is that we, we enter into the experience, we enter into the relationship knowing that they're not going to be perfect, that they are human, that they are flawed, that they are fallen, that they've got their own faults, their own issues, their own idiosyncrasies, the things that they do that maybe aren't even wrong, they just drive you up a wall. And in spite of that, we fully know them, we choose to fully love them. This is why. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude. Think, think about the idea, the wording that's used here. Love covers a multitude of sins. Sins are what? Wrong, right? Areas where we miss the mark. Areas where we're not on track. Areas where we are off the path and plan that God has for our lives. So we know them, and we know that they've got these things going on in their, their lives. They've got these issues. They've got these problems, whatever you want to call it. And we love them anyway, and through that love, I believe that we can lift each other out of the things that we go through if we're consistent and we're persistent and we're close, there's proximity, there's nearness, we're fully known, and then we are fully loved. So my, my challenge, I guess, in closing, like all of the, the wide connections are terrific. Like there, there have been so many times 
where somebody has asked me about, hey, do you know somebody that does this? And I'm like, yeah, I think I saw, I have a friend on Facebook that I've never met that does that. And, and I'll pass on the information. And, and it's a great thing to be able to connect people like that. But that is not a substitute for the real thing, for the people that we can talk about, the things that are actually going on in our lives. And, and again, pray for each other, lift each other up, encourage one another, walk with each other. All of these things that we're called to do scripturally, there is no substitute for that. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much. God, really, in many ways, you were the, the perfect example of the value of doing life with other people. Jesus, you could have come to the earth and established a kingdom and put yourself up on a throne, a pedestal, and distance yourself from the people that you were trying to lead. What you did instead was that you chose the less than desirable, God, the outcasts, people that, that others wouldn't find credibility in. God, and you walked with them and you did life with them and you poured your heart into them. God, I think it is a, a perfect example of the value of these connections that we're called to. Jesus, help us just to, to love each other like you love us. Help us to give each other the same amount of grace that you've given to us and that we expect from them. God, help us to not fall victim or trap to this, this idea of, of many connections versus the quality of connections that we're called to. God, more than anything, God, help us just to love like you loved because we truly do believe that love covers a multitude of sin. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you. It's in your incredible name we pray and everybody's amen. 